Your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day. It is high summer. I hope you were enjoying it. I hope your weekend was glorious. Uh, ours was. Uh, we actually went for a very invigorating hike. Actually, the middle fork of Snoqualmie River, uh, which is, oh, about an hour from uh, where we live. And it's just wonderful. Uh, there was actually a beautifully well-maintained trail, something that sometimes uh, people like volunteers from the Great Washington Trails Association, of which I'm a proud member, people from uh, organizations that are private can combine with public resources like the Nat National Forest Service, which regulates those lands, and, and make something beautiful that uh, you can walk on and uh, basically enjoy the glory of God, which is one of the things that is absolutely wonderful about hiking and about trails. And all of that actually still works in America. People on the trails that, that we were on were friendly, they were nice, had pleasant dogs who were with them. It's just uh, a better side of America than, than what we tend to confront during the week when we get back to covering politics and pop culture, where things are not necessarily going that well. How badly are they going? Uh, the New York Times, nobody would accuse the New York Times, right, of being anti-Biden or being a right-wing paper. A headline, front page, Democrats sour on Biden citing age and economy. Poll shows pessimism becoming pervasive and most want other candidates. This is a brand new New York Times poll and a New York Times Siena College poll and it shows that unbelievably how many people in the Democratic Party, in the Democratic Party, actually want Biden to run for re-election. It's 26%. And, of course, it's even less than that, uh, even less than that in uh, when you look at independents or Republicans. Uh, the bill, it's so bad for Joe Biden. Bill O'Reilly has publicly said he believes that Biden is going to resign. Um, at some point surrounding the election campaign, which is supposed to be a, a disaster for his Democratic Party. So if Biden resigns, does that mean that we have Kamala Harris as his replacement as president and as the Democratic nominee? Uh, Kamala Harris does even worse in the polling than Biden. So what is going on? We'll be speaking to Bill O'Reilly next hour on The Michael Medved Show and eager to see on what basis he is predicting Biden's resignation. There's also a major editorial in the New York Times uh, demanding another resignation for Chief Justice John Roberts. Okay, we understand that there is a, a, a great deal of negativity right now and uh, all, all kinds of hysteria condemning the court. And, uh, in fact, <laughs> the Rage Against the Machine was doing a concert somewhere in Wisconsin, 
and Rage Against the Machine, they were chanting abort the court. And uh, basically, they, people who are very angry at the Supreme Court. Will that lead to a resignation for John Roberts? The claim in the New York Times is it is only by resigning that he can save his historical reputation. And, of course, if he resigned, then the new chief justice would be appointed by President Joe Biden, unless he resigns first. Uh, it is a strange moment, and of course the resignation of Boris Johnson over in Britain has only whetted the appetite and uh, created more momentum for other claims to registration. Okay, here is the piece. It's written by Shane Goldmacher in the New York Times. It begins and says, President Biden is facing an alarming level of doubt from inside his own Democratic Party with 64% of Democratic voters, 64% saying they would prefer a new standard bearer in the 2024 presidential campaign. That's two-thirds. That's according to a brand-new New York Times-Siena College poll. As voters nationwide have soured on his leadership, giving him a meager 33% job approval rating. Uh, widespread concerns about the economy and inflation have helped turn the national mood decidedly dark, both on Mr. Biden and the trajectory of the nation. More than three-quarters of registered voters see the United States moving in the wrong direction. There have been other polls recently that showed 85% think the country is moving in the wrong direction. By the way, if you're one of those who uh, 15% hanging on and you think the country is actually moving in the right direction and, and all of this is just hysteria over nothing, you can give a call. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, the, um, this is a pervasive sense of pessimism, writes the New York Times, that spans every corner of the country, every age range and racial group, cities, suburbs and rural areas as well as both political parties so does this mean that biden has uh, fulfilled his campaign promise about uniting the country getting everyone of every perspective to agree that he should go away i mean really only 13 percent of americans said the nation was on the right track the lowest point in uh, uh times polling since the depths of the financial crisis more than a decade ago. That would be 2008-2009. For Mr. Biden, that bleak national outlook has pushed his job approval rating to a perilously low point. Republican opposition is predictably overwhelming, but more than two-thirds of independents also now disapprove of the president's performance. And nearly half disapprove strongly. Among uh, fellow Democrats, his approval rating stands at 70 percent, a low figure for a president, especially heading into the 2022 midterms when Mr. Biden uh, needs to rally Democrats to the polls to maintain control of Congress. Is uh, his approval likely to go up if there is a Republican Congress? In a sign of a deep vulnerability and of unease among what is supposed to be his political base, only 26% of Democratic voters said the party should renominate him in 2024. Mr. Biden 
has said repeatedly that he intends to run for re-election. At 79, he is already the oldest politician who is to be president in American history. And concerns about his age ranked at the top of the list for Democratic voters who want the party to find an alternative. And you can listen. Today, earlier today, President Biden was giving a speech about one of his purported triumphs which was this gun legislation, which I supported. I think that was the gun legislation was harmless, basically, may save a few lives, was worth doing. It showed uh, an ability of Republicans and Democrats to work together. Good for him. But even in announcing the gun legislation, Mr. Biden was heckled by the father of one of the Parkland victims of gun shooting, and he didn't handle it particularly well. Uh, we will uh, play a little bit of that and uh, what President Biden had to say as soon as we come back. We'll, we'll also look at the idea that John Roberts should resign. Uh, what is this? Uh, we don't have the kind of thing where you can have a vote of no confidence in the middle of a term. So what would happen with that uh, Biden resignation? We'll talk about that with Bill O'Reilly and more coming up on The Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. Bingo! Don't bingo me. The Michael... Your daily dose of debate. It's The Michael Medved Show. The uh, backlash against Joe Biden and the desire to move in a new direction, so says the New York Times, were particularly acute among younger voters. In the survey, 94%, just let that sink in for a moment, 94% of uh, Democrats under the age of 30 said they would prefer a different presidential nominee. Now, why is that important? Because if it weren't for the younger voters, those voters under 30, uh, Biden wouldn't have won this election in 2020. He won overwhelmingly a young, among younger voters. It wasn't because he was young and particularly vigorous back in 2020, two years ago. No, it's, uh, it was that he wasn't Trump. And um, they quote a, uh, a woman named Nicole Farrier, who was a 38-year-old preschool teacher in East Tawas, a small town in northern Michigan. I don't know how they select these people, but they selected her. And she says, I'm just going to come out and say it. I want younger blood. What, is she a vampire? No. She's uh, a voter. And she says, I, was so, I am so tired of all the old people running our country. I don't want somebody knocking on death's door. Uh, this, is, this is not something that, um, that, that Biden or his supporters, and he has supporters, he can't joke about anymore. Uh, so more than 75% of voters in the poll said the economy was extremely important to them. And how many people thought that economic conditions were excellent? President Biden says they're excellent. He says the economy's roaring back and jobs look pretty good. And people are saying we have a chance of avoiding a recession. Uh, you know what percentage 
of uh, voters say the economy, economic conditions are excellent. One <laughs> percent. But again, they found some people um, among those who are typically working age. That's voters 18 to 64 years old. Six percent said the economy was good or excellent, while 93 percent rated it poor or only fair. The White House has tried to trumpet strong job growth, including on Friday when Mr. Biden declared that he had overseen, quote, the fastest and strongest jobs recovery in American history. But the Times-Siena poll showed a vast disconnect between those boasts and the strength of some economic indicators and the financial reality that most Americans feel that they are confronting. The uh, glimmer of good news for Mr. Biden. Okay, here it comes. Being fair, there is a glimmer of good news. As the Times reports, the survey showed him with a narrow edge in a hypothetical rematch in 2004 with former President Donald J. Trump. Uh, If it came down to that choice, it would be 44% supporting President Biden, 41% supporting former President Trump, which is the same kind of gap that there was between Biden and Trump in the popular vote last time. The result is a reminder of one of Mr. Biden's favorite aphorisms. Don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. The uh, poll showed that Democratic misgivings about Mr. Biden seemed to mostly melt away when presented with a stark choice between him and Mr. Trump. A 92% of Democrats say they would stick with Mr. Biden. On the whole, voters appeared to like Mr. Biden slightly more than they like his performance as president. 39% say they have a positive impression of him personally, which is six percentage points higher than his job approval. And I do think that, and I've said this before, and I think it's undeniably true, you you cannot escape it. Part of that residual affection for Joe Biden, I think, has to do with pity. Because it's hard not to feel somewhat sympathetic to the, to the guy who's struggling to complete a sentence. Uh, here is President Biden. He was out in front of the White House today. He got heckled. Uh, Before he got heckled, he was applauding the real progress made by the gun legislation. Uh, This is clip five. Listen. Make no mistake about it. This legislation is real progress, but more has to be done. The provision of this new legislation is going to save lives. And it's proof that today's politics, we can come together on a bipartisan basis to, get, basis to get important things done, even on an issue as tough as guns. And one more thing, it's a call to action to all of us to do more. To take away from the legislature is not, that's not what we can do. It's to take, the takeaway from this is that now, now we're opening to get much more done. Okay, barely coherent, and and then this about assault weapons, uh, clip three. Makes no sense. Assault weapons need to be banned. Then they were banned. 
I led the fight in 1994. Then under pressure from the NRA and the gun manufacturers and others, that ban was lifted in 2004. In that 10 years, it was law, mass shootings went down. When the law expired in 2004, and those weapons were allowed to be sold again, mass shootings tripled. They're the facts. I'm determined to ban these weapons again, and high-capacity magazines that hold 30 rounds, and to let mass shooters fire hundreds of bullets in a matter of minutes. I'm not going to stop until we do it. Okay, but he did have to stop uh, when he was interrupted by uh, a, a guy named Manuel Oliver, who was a father of one of the victims at Parkland, uh, Florida, mass shooting. Uh, this is clip 10. Listen. We can make meaningful progress on dealing with gun violence. Because make no mistake. Sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. If you think... You... Let him talk. Let him talk. No one, okay? Because make no mistake about it, this legislation is real progress, but more has to be done. Okay, uh, the uh, same man, Manuel Oliver, uh, actually made his case earlier on CNN, and uh, the the idea that this is issue or this accomplishment is going to provide a turnaround for for Joe Biden seems extremely doubtful. But uh, should he resign, as Bill Riley suggests that he actually will? Why? He says there are three very important Democrats who want him to resign and can force him to. How? We'll get to that and more with Bill O'Reilly coming up in a little while here on The Medved Show. The greatest show on God's green earth. Oh, good for you. The Michael Medved Show. Makes no sense. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, Joe Biden earlier this morning heckled by a man named... uh, Manuel Oliver, who uh, whose child was gunned down at the Parkland High School, the uh, a disaster in Florida, and uh, 2018 that Parkland school shooting was, and uh, Biden was just saying, despite the naysayers, we can make meaningful progress on dealing with gun violence. And Manuel Oliver, whose son Joaquin was among the 17 people killed in the Parkland mass shooting, could be heard shouting in the background. It was not clear what he was trying to say. I mean, nobody handed him a microphone. And Joe Biden was uh, basically saying, let him speak, but nobody could hear him. And uh, then he was saying, let me finish. But here's what this uh, individual, Manuel Oliver, told uh, CNN about why he was angry even at this celebration of the gun control legislation. Uh, this is clip 11. Listen. This is like um, giving a green light to Congress green light to wait another 30 years to do something else. But guess what? We're not going to let that happen. Um, I was yesterday working on this 
in the city of Orlando. I was a week ago in Philadelphia, and I will be next week in Texas. So for me, again, this is just part of a process, and anyone that thinks that this is a new start, a new beginning, is probably showing that we can slow down our activism. Not me, not Joaquin, not my wife Patricia, and not the thousands of kids that are out there. Uh, okay, his activism is going to continue. This is what a guest at the White House event celebrating uh, the gun control legislation had to to say about what uh, what has to happen in his view. Uh, listen, this is clip four. We must address white dress, white supremacy, and direct domestic terrorism. They're the leading threat to our homeland and our way of life. Okay. And uh, addressing white supremacy through gun control legislation, um, I'm, I'm not sure how you do that or how that works. And again, this is all very problematic when you have so many people in the country who are overwhelmingly concerned with other issues. To go back to this poll for a moment, which is a big new poll, it's the most thorough and complete poll that uh, takes a look at the election coming up and the feeling of people about the election coming up in 2024, the presidential election. The, um, one of the things it says is that the overwhelming concern of uh, the American people is with uh, the issue of the economy, the issue of gas prices and inflation. And the, uh, the number of people who list abortion or guns as major issues, uh, it's very small actually. And it, it, one of the things that they show is that uh, overall abortion rated as the most important issue for 5% of voters as opposed to 70% when you put together the economy and inflation. Uh, gun politics following the mass shootings were rated as the top issue by 10% of voters, uh, far higher than has been typical of uh, nationwide polls in recent years. The issue was of even greater importance to black and Hispanic voters, ranking roughly the same as inflation and the cost of living the survey found among black and Hispanic voters. And by the way, it did show that uh, President Biden maintained uh, not as overwhelming as his election, but still a, um, a strong support from the black community. Somebody who most Americans really know nothing about, unfortunately, but uh, is now the subject of other claims for his resignation, Pamela Paul writes a lead editorial and again, it's the New York Times, and she says, uh, if liberal dreams really did come true, Chief Justice John Roberts would resign. He's been at it, at it for 17 years, and he's been incapable 
of tempering the Federalist Society's stamped fanatics on the right or uh, leading the court toward any semblance of justice for all. In retiring at age 67, that's how old Roberts is, he could make a statement about the perils of gerontocracy and the possibility of Supreme Court term limits, even if only self-imposed. He could help forestall constitutional changes to the court that might be welcomed by those on the left while they remain in power and abused by the right when they are not. In retiring, he could help restore public confidence in the court and ensure its future. It won't happen. That's the only part of her her editorial that I agree with. No, it won't happen. So why talk about it? Uh, Because someone believes it should happen? But it's hard not to hope. After all, his, uh, the, what she's saying is liberals have a long idealistic history of hoping Roberts would be better than our worst fears. And she goes on to say that uh, even after liberals were proved wrong with egregious decisions like Citizens United, She's talking about how many liberals voted to confirm Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, and said good things about him, including people like Russ Feingold, who was Wisconsin's liberal Democratic senator at the time, uh, or Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy was opposed to him, but she quotes Patrick Leahy, uh, now the Senate pro tem president who's retiring from the Senate. He just had his hip replaced, poor Pat Leahy. But he said positive things about John Roberts. And even after liberals were proved wrong with egregious decisions like Citizens United, which sold the country off to the highest bidder, we didn't stop hoping. In the wake of Donald Trump's uh, extremist nominees, Roberts seemed relatively benign. Surely he had grown on the court. Surely he would continue to grow. He'll be a moderating force, we said, when we voted to maintain the independence of the census against the Trump uh, administration's attempted citizenship question, voted with a majority on DACA, and upheld the Affordable Care Act. Well, that's not enough. What she suggests is that if only he would resign and allow President Biden to appoint a replacement as chief justice. It could change direction of the court and all would be better. The, the, the problem with this entire fantasy is right now, even if Roberts disappeared and you installed and somehow got confirmed a very liberal, very progressive, uh, very activist judge to replace John Roberts, you still have five solid conservative votes. And those same five votes that voted, as Roberts did, by the way, to overturn Roe v. Wade. Roberts did not sign on to the decision. He had a separate reason for voting to uphold the Mississippi law, but it was a concurring opinion, so his vote counted. It has been erroneously described as a vote of five to four. It wasn't. It was a vote of six to three because Roberts was there. Uh, Meanwhile, there is um, a broad public approval of the new gun law that was celebrated today, but few say it will do, very few, a lot to stem gun violence. Uh, Are they wrong? And then the claim that we are all today 
political hostages. Uh, yeah, a left winger says that we are held hostage basically by the Republican Party. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, Pew Research Center, a, uh, another new survey. This one about the uh, broad public approval of the new gun law. And, and again, it's gotten such good publicity because it involves one of those very rare times when there are a significant number of Republican senators who joined the Democrats in, in voting for it. It was a genuinely bipartisan piece of legislation. It did not have anything particularly radical about it. It did not have a ban on uh, what are called assault weapons, uh, that uh, AR-15 style weapons. That is a ban that the president wanted to put in there. It wasn't there. A majority of Americans want Congress to pass more gun legislation Americans are largely supportive, says a Pew Center, of the new gun law passed by Congress and signed into law by Joe Biden on June 25th. Nearly two-thirds of U.S. adults approve of the new gun law, including 32% who strongly approve. Just 21% say they disapprove of the law, including 11% who strongly disapprove. How can you strongly disapprove of what's in this law, which means that you would have a uh, more intense background checks of purchasers who were 18 to 21, that uh, you would have uh, encouragement for red flag laws, making it easier to people who represent a danger to themselves or to others uh, to make sure that they do not get access to guns or have access to guns. And uh, basically, the it's a common sense, minor adjustments of some of the gun laws that might actually improve things a little bit, it seems to me. Who are the people who strongly disapprove? 1-800-955-1776. A 15 or not, percent are not sure. Despite broad support for the new law, however, most Americans are not optimistic it will do much to reduce gun violence in the country. 78% think the new gun law will do a little or nothing at all. 42% think it will do only a little, and 36% think it will do nothing at all to reduce gun violence. Only 7% say the bill will do a lot, while 14% say they are not sure. And roughly 6 in 10 adults, 63%, say they'd like to see Congress pass another round of legislation to address gun violence compared with 35% who do not want to see that. Um, the uh, uh, ongoing claim that uh, we are in a political hostage situation. This is uh, Charles Blow, who is a, uh, a strongly left-leaning columnist. I used to say left-leaning is not even fair. He's on the left. And he writes that voters subject to oppression and he believes that's uh, particularly voters who are minorities, voters subject to oppression have only two choices, the benevolent captors who are Democrats or the cruel captors who are Republicans. Democrats will 
work for your freedom, but not to the extent that it endangers their power. They have to work against Republicans, who now more than at any other time in memory seem hell-bent on establishing a new age of severe restrictions under the banner of states' rights. The choice between the two is not a choice at all. Voting for Democrats is the only option, that says Charles Blow, not because they have been fully responsive to your pleading, but because they are the only bulwark against disaster. This is not a lesser of two evils view, but a light switch view. The choice is light, no matter how dim, or darkness. The, uh, there was some waffling about uh, Hillary Clinton in 2016, and that gave uh, us, the, meaning the United States, Donald Trump, who gave us a radical theocratic Supreme Court, which has given us dozens of deeply regressive decisions overturning Roe v. Wade, restricting the ability to enforce Miranda rights, tying the country's hands in its fight against climate change. Now we live in a kind of captivity, and captivity of any sort is unconscionable to some. So they fly against it. Over the past year, progressives have demanded action from Democrats, demanded that promises be kept, demanded that more of a fight be waged, but in the end, this is futile. What's worse, it often provides ammunition to cruel captors, the Republicans, who are waiting for a chance to replace the benevolent ones. I would, do you think that Joe Biden would or should accept the designation of benevolent captor? Really? Uh, is, that, is that the, the argument? There's actually an argument on the other side uh, that is uh, made by uh, an emailer, and I uh, appreciate the email that came in from Scott in Seattle. He says, uh, you just don't seem, and he puts seem in quotation marks, to get it, Michael. We are going to have a republic of morals with law and order, or we are not going to have a republic. Your error is in treating the parties as equals. It is immaterial that Republicans are also at fault. Treat the people equal, equally. Love them. Conservatives must care for the liberal countrymen more than to let them drag us all down with them. Trust me, they will thank you in the end. In other words, he is making the same argument that this is a choice between a good and evil, between light and darkness, and it's, I think it's a, a wrong and dangerous argument when liberals make it as Charles Blow just did. And uh, Scott in Seattle, I think your, your argument I I is also wrong when you say we're either going to have a republic of morals with law and order or we're not going to have a republic. I, I agree with you that we need to have a nation with morals and with law and order, but I don't agree with you that Republicans are always on the side of law and order. Uh, and the best example for that, it seems to me, would be the whole idea of uh, w what is going on with the January 6th commission. There was a, um, a betrayal of a commitment to law and order at the highest levels of government. And that is a real problem. And to say that, well, basically we're going to have a, a, a uh, 
uh, Republic of Law and Order and Morals by immorally attacking uh, the legitimacy of our elections and actually trying to undo what had legally been set up through the entire justice system and the electoral college system and the overwhelming majority of state legislatures. There wasn't a single state legislature that had voted or come close to voting to overturn the election results in that state. And the, the entire idea, I think, goes against this notion that things are, are, always, are always as clear as you would like to have them. Now, generally, do I think that the republic will do better when the republicans, and I think it's when, not if, take control of the House of Representatives, I do think that will be an improvement. And I do think that that's important. And I also worry very much that with some of the problematic candidates that Republicans are putting forward, that Republicans will fail to win the couple of new Senate seats that they need. And it's only two, frankly. If they win two Senate seats that are currently held by Democrats, which is possible, they could do it in Arizona, well, though it's looking pretty tough with some of the candidates they have in Arizona, uh, they could do it uh, in New Hampshire. They could do it in Nevada. Those are places where Republicans could actually knock off a sitting Democratic senator. And by knock off, I do not mean doing anything that is physically dangerous to them. I mean removing them as the Senate. Uh, representative from that state, one of the two senators representing that state, and installing a new Republican senator who would uh, caucus with uh, the the Republicans uh, under the leadership of Mitch McConnell and provide for a more conservative, more law and order, if you will, and more constitutionally oriented governance. I think that, yes, is a, a positive thing for the United States of America. But the notion that it is, it is always wrong to talk about the, the parties as if they both intend well. I, I don't believe that you gain either politically or ethically or in terms of your own happiness and well-being to assume that people with whom you disagree are necessarily evil. Uh, can we disagree about substance and not about intentions in this greatest nation on God's green earth? Hello, everyone. This is Fred Dreyer for Balance7.com. 